Welcome to the Empowered Movement Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Empowered Movement Podcast. My name is Dr. Emily Rausch, and as always, my dog Samson is chilling underneath the table that I'm recording on, so apologies ahead of time if you hear any random sounds coming from him. Today's topic is going to be one that might seem a little bit odd if you know me in person, but it's something that I am super passionate about. The topic is pregnant and postpartum athletes. Full disclaimer, I have never been pregnant, and if my life goes the way that I am planning on it going, I never will be pregnant. Very happily, team no kids. But I realized pretty early on in my training that this is a population that tends to get overlooked, tends to get told some pretty horrible things um, on a regular basis, which has a significant portion of our population dealing with health concerns that they don't have to. And to be 100% frank, that if our healthcare system gave a damn about people that could get pregnant, they would not be forced to deal with the things that they are dealing with on a regular basis. So I decided that I was going to have some additional training to work with um, pregnant and postpartum people, especially pregnant and postpartum athletes. I feel like our healthcare system does a disservice to people that can be pregnant in general, but then you add on these type of people wanting to maintain their athletic ability while they're pregnant and or return to high-level athleticism once they've given birth, and there's not a lot of people that are there to provide them with evidence-based guidance, and so they end up just kind of winging it on their own and um, trial-by-fire kind of style, which is unfortunate and I think Um, not good for our world. A little side note, I'm going to be using the um, words pregnant person, pregnant people, as opposed to women and moms, because not all people that can become pregnant identify as women. And I think being inclusive is really important. And so that is where that wording is coming from, if you were confused at all. In order to keep this podcast episode from being 70,000 minutes long because there's a lot of information that I want to share and that I could share about this topic. I think I'm going to break it into at least two different episodes. I'm thinking this one will be just on pregnant athletes and then the next one will be on postpartum athletes, depending upon how long it takes for me to read all my notes for this one. It may get broken up into three, but let's continue on with discussing pregnant athletes. So the reason that I like kind of decided to delve into this topic a little bit more was that I had 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 um, some friends that were pregnant that wanted to maintain like being fit. And it didn't seem like they were having the guidance that they should have or that they really needed. And it kind of just felt like they were like out there winging it. And it kind of sucks to like 
be in the industry that has the potential to help your friends, but then not feeling like you know enough to help them. I didn't really like that feeling. And then the rehab classes that I had in chiropractic school, as well as my OB class, just kind of fell flat when it came to this specific population. I really don't think the advice, like wait six weeks until you're cleared postpartum and then go back to doing what you were doing is good advice. And I really don't think listen to your body and modify as needed is good enough advice for someone that is pregnant and trying to be athletic. If you've ever worked with athletes or been an athlete yourself, you know that telling someone to modify as needed means that they're going to continue doing the exact same things that they have been doing because the word modify hits the ego in a place where not a lot of athletes like. You tell me that I need to modify my movements, I'm going to tell you to stick it where the sun doesn't shine and do what I want to do anyways. So I don't think having that like blanket statement advice is good enough. So we need, I needed, we need to have more information. And the class that I really resonated with or the course was called Pregnant and Postpartum Athleticism by Brianna Battles, who is a uh, like CrossFit coach. Um, and I really like her messaging. I really like the vibe that she puts off and took took the course. I'm a certified pregnant and postpartum athleticism coach, and I use the information from that that course and then my chiropractic and sports medicine education to be able to work with pregnant and postpartum athletes. So moving on, we are going to just go over some of the common phrases that people get shared. So it's like cookie cutter advice that I'm sure you probably heard. You don't have to stop exercising, but you should slow down be gentle with your back, don't strain your abs. And while all of these phrases are fine, but there's lacking some context. So if you are a pregnant person that likes to run marathons, what does slowing down look like? Does it mean that you're running slower, running less? Like how slow should you be running? How much less should you be running? And if you're someone that likes to lift, does slowing down mean that you're doing the exact same workouts with maybe just less weight? Should you be doing less reps? Like what does, what does slowing down mean? It's really easy to see why pregnant and postpartum people tend to do what they usually do and then just hope for the best. Unfortunately, this has led to a large portion of our population not seeking help for conditions that could be easily managed with proper guidance gonna straight up say it, it is not normal for you to pee your pants when you cough or sneeze or lift something up. It may be common, but it is not normal. And there are things that you can do to help yourself. One of the things that you can do is having people on your team. So if you are currently working with a coach or a personal trainer or a chiropractor or a physical therapist or whatever type of provider that you are working with that is helping you with your movement and like workouts, ask them if they have taken any additional training in working with pregnant people that want to be active. If they haven't, it may be worth finding someone who has. And this doesn't mean that you have to completely give up your relationship with that first provider. You can just 
connect the two people and they should be able to help each other, which in turn will help you. And I know it can seem overwhelming and a little bit intense, but the decisions that you make while pregnant can have long-term impacts on your postpartum health. And pregnancy is temporary, but you're postpartum forever. There's no way for you to ungive birth once you give birth. And so the decisions that you make while pregnant impact your life for the rest of your life. So while you're pregnant and you're wanting to train, it's the time to train for resiliency and adaptability, your postpartum recovery and athletic interest, a healthy pregnancy, and hopefully a healthy baby for enjoyment and in a way that preserves and manages core and pelvic health symptoms, not in a way that aggravates or creates them. There are going to be a lot of parts of this journey that are outside of your control, but it's really important to focus on what you can control. I'm sure if you ask 10 different pregnant people, they will give you 10 different pregnancy stories. And so this is not the time to be comparing your journey to anyone else's. Your journey is your own and just kind of buckle down and do what you need to do for your body, your pregnancy and your future. So let's talk about the first trimester. Um, This is a point in time where a lot of people feel like trash. And then on the flip side, a lot of people feel 100% fine. It's kind kind of a coin toss. Depending upon where you fall in the spectrum, how you train may vary. You, if you're feeling more on the normal side, you're likely going to want to continue to train as usual. Um, however, this is not the time to push your yourself. Like we're not going for like one rep maxes or personal bests or PRs during this time of your your life. It might not seem like a lot is changing on the outside, but on the inside, so many things are happening as your body is getting ready to build a baby, like build a bear, but build a baby. So this is really a time to learn to listen to your body, which I kind of touched on already is quite challenging to do as an athletic person. Um, I feel like in general, we're pretty used to just like pushing through discomfort and maybe not being the best at listening to the signals that our body is sending to us. Um, It's also a time to become aware of how you are using your core and pelvic floor while you're working out and then just throughout activities of daily living and manage any symptoms that may occur. So the common phrase in this part of the journey is learn to listen to your body. But what are we listening for? Like, what are are we supposed to be paying attention to? Give me more. So when you're training, how is your body feeling? Are you experiencing any new pain or an increase in pain? Neither one of those is ideal. Are you feeling a sensation of fullness in your pelvic floor? Are you leaking pee or poop when exerting yourself? Um, For example, like when you're lifting something up or sneezing or jumping, like jumping rope is a fairly common um, area where people will have some urinary incontinence. And then are your abs bulging or coning? And if you don't know what this is, I would recommend that you look at the Instagram post that I made about this. The coning, especially early on in pregnancy, can be kind of subtle. And if you're not a person that works out without a shirt on, you may not notice that this is happening. And so I would recommend that you 
if you're comfortable with it, of course. Exercise without a shirt on and have someone film you so you can see what your abs are doing during certain movements. And if you're not comfortable doing that in the gym, try to replicate some of the movements at home and have your partner um, film you so you can just check in on what your tummy is doing when you're working out. So we're at a, a point where we're like, okay, we're listening for, or we're listening, looking for symptoms. Um, but like, what do I do if I have them, right? Like we're, you know, less than three months into this journey and what do I do? How do I manage these things? So I think it's important for people to be proactive instead of reactive. And so instead of waiting for symptoms to show up, start implementing a strategy. This strategy includes modifying how you breathe, how you manage tension, how you manage pressure, switching up your positions and movement. So let's break each part of the strategy down. So we're going to start with breathing. Um, Have you ever checked in on how you breathe? Like, Have you ever paid attention to what your breathing tendencies are? Almost always, this is the first thing that I work on with people of all age groups, pregnant, not pregnant, postpartum, not postpartum, is just really bringing awareness to how they use their breath and is it an appropriate strategy for what they're trying to do. So when you inhale, your diaphragm, which is the, your like main muscle of respiration, will drop and then your pelvic floor will expand. When you exhale, your diaphragm raises back up and your pelvic floor contracts contracts. So one, you need to allow your belly to expand and to breathe. So you don't need to be holding your guts in all the time. Um, I know that society teaches a lot of us that we need to look as small as possible. And that means that we end up like holding our core in all the time. Not, not the greatest for breathing. Turns out there's, there's better ways. It's okay if your belly poofs out. Um, so what are some tendencies that impact optimal breathing? We can have um, shallow breathing. We can have squeezing your glutes. We can have um, what we com- commonly call as an open scissor position. So your rib cage is um, arched up and then your pelvis is kind of like sticking your butt out. Whereas your head and neck in relationship to your rib cage, are you experiencing any core or pelvic floor symptoms? Are you breathing up into your chest and shoulders? Are you holding or gripping your abs. So just take a moment, check your breath, and then check your breath while you're exercising too. Like, what are you doing? You're going to breathe differently when you're exerting yourself, and that's fine. But if you're not exerting yourself, like maybe you're warming up, just take some moments. Check in with the breath. The next one is called pressure. And so being able to control and manage your intra-abdominal pressure is very important, just in general when you're an athlete. Very frequently, the strategy that people use to manage their pressure doesn't lead to the results they're hoping for. So learning how to use your intra-abdominal pressure to your advantage can decrease low back pain, decrease leaking, and then also, once you've already given birth, help decrease your um, diastasis recti. A common phrase that people are like still kind of using that I feel like a lot of people are aware of is abdominally bracing. So a lot of people take this to mean sucking their stomach in as hard as they can and holding their breath. 
And there might be times in like activities where this makes sense, but for most activities, it's not. So your pressure should man it should match the activity that you're doing. So if you're picking up a five pound weight, your pressure management strategy for that is going to be radically different than if you're trying to pick up 500 pounds and we shouldn't be using the same one for both activities. Your pressure and your breath are very closely related and they should match the needs of your activity. I'm going to do a side story, a personal story of my my own self. I was experiencing some urinary incontinence when I was bench pressing and I couldn't quite figure out like what I was doing wrong and why this was happening. And so I had to like take a step back and just pay attention to how was I breathing when I was benching? How was I managing my intra-abdominal pressure? And it took me a few sets to figure out what I needed to change so that I like wasn't peeing my pants when I was bench pressing. But having this knowledge and being aware of what I was doing made it so that I could modify what I was doing and then I'm no longer peeing my pants when benching, which is great. Gold star for me. The next um, point of the strategy is tension. So a lot of our tension strategies are behavior-based. So the one that I've already touched on a little bit is the sucking in our abs. Um, Another tendency can be fear-based. So if you are feeling like your pelvic organs aren't stable, maybe you have some like prolapsy symptoms or your pelvic floor feels really heavy, you can um, like perform like a constant Kegel to try and keep them in, which isn't good. And if anyone is telling you that you should just do Kegels all the time, they're wrong. They're wrong. Your pelvic floor is a muscle just like any other muscle in your body. And you wouldn't walk around just contracting like your biceps, right? Like you wouldn't do a bicep curl all day, every day, and like never let your biceps relax. It would be exhausted and sounds ridiculous, but people still recommend that people do Kegels all the time. Ridiculous. Anyways, so it's difficult for our muscles to produce max maximum force when they are already in like a short and tense position. And when you're trying to be athletic, what are you trying to do? Produce force like through a full range of motion, right? So if they're shortened, how are we getting full range of motion and full force? So let's not do that. Um, tension, just like our breath and pressure can be modified to help improve our symptoms. If you can learn to spread out your tension or just reduce it um, completely, you can improve how we move, which is great, and then decrease any unwanted symptoms. The next key point is positioning. And once again, I feel like it's just being aware of what your position tendencies are. This is super important because as you progress throughout your pregnancy, your center of gravity is going to have to change as your belly grows. And so being aware of where your body is in space before your belly gets super big is going to be important. And then having regular check-ins with yourself to be like, okay, how do I stay in somewhat of an optimal alignment when working out? with the belly that I have. Um, I'm going to do another like side note squirrel moment. There's no such thing as perfect posture. And we really as society need to let go of this like ideal that there is perfect posture, that you have bad posture, that there's good posture. Your body is designed to move. 
And the phrase that I like is the best posture is your next posture. So switching positions on a regular basis is great. And it wouldn't matter even if you sat in like perfect posture, like quote unquote perfect posture all day, like you would still be in pain and sore because your body is not designed to just stay in one position all day. So get it moving and grooving. Let your muscles and joints move as they're designed to move, which is a perfect segue into our last strategy, movement. So as a pregnant athlete, likely you have movements that you love doing and being pregnant and then eventually postpartum isn't going to change this. It's very likely that you want to be able to continue to perform your movement of choice for as long as possible while you're pregnant and then return to it as quickly and as safely as possible once you've given birth. So working on connecting the dots of the different strategy variables will allow you to hopefully decrease and or eliminate any pelvic floor symptoms and allow you to have a pregnancy journey that sets you up for success when you're postpartum. Let's move on to the second trimester. Um, This is very likely when you will start to show more obvious signs of being pregnant. And it's hopefully a time when your morning sickness is starting to slow down. And also side note, just in case you didn't know this, morning sickness doesn't just occur in the morning. It can happen any time of the day. It can happen all day. I had a friend that was very disappointed when her morning sickness only started after lunch. And she felt like she'd been duped by the the phrase morning sickness because it's just, it can happen whenever. Um, A lot of people start to have a more energy around the second trimester and they want to be able to continue being active. Um, However, your body is undergoing a lot of changes to accommodate the growing fetus with the changes and then the energy level. Um, Now it's really important to focus on your core and pelvic floor symptoms and then apply the strategy variables that we had already talked about. This is likely when you're going to have to start modifying your activities um, there are some movements that are suggested to be temporarily stopped until your body is, isn't in such a stress state, and then there's others that can be modified. Once again, this is not the time to see how much your body can handle. It's the time to get clear about what you want your postpartum experience to look like. So the modifications that are recommended, I'm going to say it once again. They are recommended. You are going to see people doing things that are on this list that you might be like, oh, said not to do that. It's their body. It's their journey. Just like it's your body, it's your journey. And I'm just sharing this information so that you can make the most informed decision possible. But what you choose to do with your own body is your business. So things that I would recommend anyone working with me to discontinue. No Olympic lifting due to the bar path having to travel around your belly. No heavy lifting, so we're not trying to max out. We're not doing anywhere close to our one rep max during this time. And that's mainly due to the need to like hold your breath and brace to be able to pick up super heavy weights. So no, and then no dynamic movements. And this is the one where I feel like I might ruffle a little bit of feathers, especially in my lovely aerial world. There's not a lot of that I found um, research around 
doing like pole or aerial silks while pregnant, but a good general recommendation is to stop doing dynamic movements. Um, so any like spins, any swings, any beats, um, kips, anything where you're having a lot of like, you know, like that dynamic forward and back force or side to side force, it's going to be really challenging for your core as it's trying to expand for this growing baby to manage that pressure. And so second trimester, I'm going to recommend that we stop doing that. And the like CrossFit slash lifting world, getting rid of any kipping movements, any handstand push-ups. And then the other one that might be like a little bit hard for some people to swallow is it's not really recommended that you do a lot of um, like skipping or running during this time. And I know there's these videos of people doing, you know, like PRs running five minute miles while nine months pregnant. That is so much pressure on your body. So much, so much added stress that while it's cool and it's amazing to see, uh, just the long-term implications of that, like make me a little bit anxious. So I'm going to recommend that we go to walking instead of running and then no high impact activities. So no plyos, jumping, sprinting, that kind of things. That would be like orange theories off the counter, boot camp workouts. No, thank you. We are just going to be avoiding any extra things that we don't have to do. So really during this time is a time for you to think of like, just because I can, does that mean that I should? And this can be hard and your ego can come into play. Your desire to stay fit can come into play. There's a, there's a lot of different factors. And this is why I think working with someone that has experience with working with pregnant and postpartum um, athletes can benefit you because you're not going to have um, an uneducated coach doing their best and then you wanting to do things and being able to be like, oh, I, I can still do it, right? Right. When you have someone that like has that education in the background of working with this population, they can be like, no, now's not the time and help you find ways to like not completely crush your ego, but stay active. So just that's my recommendation for that part. Moving on to the third trimester. Almost done. You're almost there. Almost time for to have a baby. So if you're still exercising at this point in your pregnancy, like congratulations, claps to you, snaps to you. Um, I think it's amazing that you have the energy to be going to the gym during this phase of your pregnancy journey. And it's really a time to just enjoy moving. It's not the time to be pushing or challenging your body. It's a time to can focus on it's the time to focus on consistent effort and that effort very well will vary from day to day and week to week. So your third trimester is the time where a lot of changes happen. Um, it seems like pretty quickly, but then also kind of slowly. So one day you might be fine doing something and the next day you might be like, oh no, I absolutely cannot. And that is just fine. So the same movement modifications that I described during the second trimester still apply. And then just kind of general broad, like you might have to modify and or eliminate more movements if any core or pelvic floor symptoms arise. Your focus during this phase should be on minimizing added stress to your already stressed body. 
you're ready to have a baby soon and you need to be rested and recovered to have the energy to give birth and then also start your postpartum healing. So let's move on to birth. Hooray. Congratulations. You have a baby. Most people think that this is like the end of the journey, right? Like you've been pregnant for what, like almost 10 months at this point. You've made the human. The human came out of you. You're ready for things to just like get back to normal. But, however, asterisks, and I feel like a lot of people are, this is where they get bamboozled because there's not a lot of talk about the like kind of in-between portion of you've given birth and then you're like back to being normal. There's that like in-between-ish thing and a lot of people are calling it the fourth trimester because... It literally is like another trimester of time that you are going through some changes and having to to deal with some things that maybe you weren't anticipating. So plan for that fourth trimester. Um, your body has been changing for the past like 10 months and growing a baby, and it can take just as long for it to return to some semblance of normal. There are some myths. We're going to be myth busters that need to be addressed. There's really no easy way to give birth. Vaginal birth can be complicated with significant um, issues, like tearing is a thing. Don't Google it if you're not prepared to be scarred for life. And C-sections are literally abdominal surgery. Like you are getting cut into to have this baby taken out of you. Neither one is easy. They're both really hard. Yes, you can do it, but don't feel like you're less of a parent because you had a C-section or you're better than someone that had a C-section because you delivered vaginally. Not not the case. You are going to be simultaneously trying to recover from birth and then potentially responsible for producing what your baby needs to eat if you choose to breastfeed and then being sleep-deprived. Because babies don't sleep a lot. And guess what that is a recipe for? Not optimal recovery. Not optimal recovery at all. So, where does the body do the most recovering? While sleeping. And so being sleep deprived is what makes this recovery like a little bit challenging. So, what we're going to do is not worry that during this fourth trimester you're not able to get your like bounce back, your baby body back or all of the other bullshit messaging that exists for new parents and just focus on recovering from giving birth, whatever type of birth that is, feeding your child in the manner that works well for you. Another side note, fed is best as long as your baby has food, like it's Gucci, it's fine. It doesn't matter if it's formula or breast milk and anyone that says otherwise can fight me and I am ready. I'm ready for it. And I feel like there's so much pressure on new parents and feeling like they're not able to breastfeed. It's just like another added pressure that doesn't need to exist when the ability for you to feed your baby with formula is relatively accessible Yes, it's expensive. Formula is expensive, but don't feel like you need to put that pressure and that guilt on yourself because 
for some reason your body isn't able to produce milk or you don't like breastfeeding or it doesn't work well with your, your schedule, if your baby's fed, your baby is happy. At the common flow for this time of the pregnancy journey is for you to have like six weeks and then you go back to your OB and then you are cleared. Cleared for what is my my question. And a lot of times they'll be like, oh, you're cleared for exercise. You're cleared to have sexual intercourse again. You are not having any, you know, glaringly obvious issues with your reproductive organs and or genitals. But there's no injury or act like time away from an activity that that would be the case like take six weeks off and then just go back to what you were doing pre whatever then if you are told if you are giving getting told that advice you're getting told shitty advice so maybe talk to somebody else so when you are cleared from your ob it is a great time to ask for a referral to a pelvic floor physical therapist. And depending upon the state that you're in, you might not need a referral, but it's worth asking if you can get one anyways. And a pelvic floor physical therapist is a really great resource to make sure that your pelvic floor is recovering from giving birth. And then they can help work on increasing your capacity for load so that you are able to slowly work back to the activity level that you want to be in and not end up injuring yourself where you have to take another break for a significant portion of time later on. Um, Also feel like it's important to note that a lot of people are not prepared for the hormonal changes that happen during this time. And a lot of people suffer in silence with postpartum depression. You are not alone. There's a lot of resources available to help you with this. And it's really important for you to to keep in mind that just because you are a new parent, you don't necessarily have to become a martyr. And you being happy and healthy is what your baby needs. And so take the time, use your resources to become a happy and healthy new parent. Uh, Let me know if you have any questions about any of the things that I covered today. And in the next one, we'll go over your fourth trimester and in more detail and then delve into the longer postpartum journey. Be sure to follow Empowered Movement Chiropractic on Instagram and Facebook to learn more about this topic, as well as a variety of other topics that I share free information on, on a regular basis. And then be sure to check out our website. We have a a blog that I post on fairly regularly. So you can learn in a variety of different ways, whatever way you learn best. And I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And if you are a pregnant or postpartum athlete in the Boise area and want to connect with me, um, feel free to reach out and I will do my best to help you. Have a great day. Bye.